You are listening to the Living Legacy Podcast. This weekly podcast inspires you to step outside of your comfort zone. My name is Zakir Muhammad, and I'm your host of the Living Legacy Podcast. I am a cancer survivor, brand cultivator, strategist, author, and world traveler. This Living Legacy Podcast features women of purpose sharing stories of resilience. They are single and married. They are artists and entrepreneurs who run businesses and juggle parenthood. If you are ready to hear interviews about professionalism, entrepreneurship, travel, life, and love, you are in the right place. They will share stories of how they overcame adversity while seeing life through a different lens. Let's get into it. So today's guest on the Living Legacy podcast is Jehan Jay Carter. She is an attorney out of Washington, D.C. by way of Los Angeles. She has branded herself as an attorney and a producer. She has over five years of experience in family law, entertainment law, business, and estate law. So now she is the principal attorney behind Carter Law Group. So she studied at New York University Law School and at the University of Virginia. She also was a former in-house attorney at the Universal Music Group. So Carter Law Group is a full-service law firm specializing in entertainment and media law and state law and business law. So she, it was built to serve clients quickly, efficiently, and with genuine knowledge. So they are dedicated to providing advice and expertise at the highest professional level. So thank you, Jay, for being here. How are you today? Thank you. Good, good. And just to correction, I have, so New York Law School, and uh, I'm a licensed attorney from, yes, Washington, D.C., for those that are listening. Perfect. So go ahead and start with that. Tell me how being in Washington, D.C. really shaped your life and shaped your purpose of being an entrepreneur and a lawyer. Let's see, where do we start? So I'm, I'm originally from D.C., and if you're not familiar with D.C., most people from D.C., either your parents work for the government or you know someone that it's a very, it's a government town because you have the Capitol, you have all the major agencies, uh, you have the White House, obviously, you have the Supreme Court of the United States, um, and then you have all these schools. When you are from Washington, D.C., like actually from there, nine times out of ten, you already kind of have this political or government or legal uh, orientation or affiliation in your upbringing. I had a direct affiliation. So my dad uh, was uh, the former director of transportation. Uh, he's currently uh, deceased, but he was the former uh, director of transportation on Capitol Hill. And then my mom is former uh, central intelligence. So in my household, I had people that were very much part of the government, very much part of the makeup. And then naturally, because I went to school in D.C., I did internships on Capitol Hill. Like, you know, the, the joke is my father was put in my ear when I was little to be a lawyer. That's why I'm a lawyer. I don't know if that's true. Uh, he always wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, he has a lot of legal, lawyer friends and legal friends and political friends working up on Capitol Hill. So. That's kind of like where this all started. I really feel like it's just the upbringing of my parents' kind of, you know, work experience as living in this type of legal, legal political town kind of put the seeds, like the root, it was already kind of rooted in me um, to participate at some level in, 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 the, in the legal spectrum or the legal world, uh, may have you. Um, in terms of the entrepreneur side, it's actually probably the opposite. So you won't find, not that there aren't entrepreneurs in Washington, D.C., 
but it is very much of a town of you go to school, you get a job, you work nine to five for 40 years, you know, somewhere or some places and you retire with your benefits and that's the end of your life. Like that is what is ingrained in you. I have always gone against the grain. I didn't know what an entrepreneur obviously was in elementary school, uh, probably junior high school, definitely not elementary school, but I always felt like I was going to do my own thing. Didn't know that was called entrepreneurship at the time, but I always knew I was going to do my own thing. And I, and I did genuinely have an interest in the law because we did some mock trials in elementary school. So I knew I had both of those going into junior high school, college, law school, and therefore it was kind of an easy journey for me in the sense that not everybody knows what they want to be when they grow up in elementary school. Sometimes it takes people into college to really know, or high school. I kind of had a head start because I already knew I was going to at some level work for myself and be a lawyer. So having that edge, um, I just kind of lined my life up kind of, you know, ducks in a row, get certain grades to get into a certain predominant high school, which is Benjamin Banner Academic High School, which is across the street from the uh, historic uh, Howard University. Then, which again, the school was like a college. You had to apply to get in, you had to take a test, all of that. Did well there. They kicked my butt so bad that I eased through college because uh, it was, my high school was actually more difficult than college. And I went to the number one public Ivy, which is University of Virginia. Sometimes we compete with UCLA. We go back and forth in terms of the number one rank, but typically we're number one. Uh, and so, but I skated. I literally skated through college because my high school was that typical. Uh, did really well in college. And again, already know I'm going to law school. Uh, took a year off work, applied to a couple of schools, uh, decided to go to New York, which was the most expensive place in the world to live and go to school. So I wasn't really thinking when I made that decision. Um, but I don't regret it because I actually met my best friend who's also a creative entrepreneur and attorney. Um, and so anyway, the rest is history. I went to New York Law School, finished there, graduated at the worst time you could possibly graduate. Which was the worst time? Uh, 2009 was the worst time. Oh. So well, I'll say eight and nine. And it's kind of what graduates are facing now uh, with the COVID. Uh, so if you're graduating from law school now, you may not be working right away, or you may be working remote. Some law students can't take the bar. They can't, you know, participate in graduation ceremonies. It's a mess. Uh, so it's not that extreme, but it's kind of along the same lines. Uh, the Wall Street market had crashed. This was right before, uh, you know, what, this was as Obama was entering the office. So he got a nice gift entering the office. The world was in chaos as he entered. And so when I graduated, the legal world was tied to the financial world. And so it was in ruins. And I had to make a very early decision um, of where I was going to work. I mean, I had interned um, in DreamWorks Classic Media. I had clerked for a New York Supreme Court judge. How was I going to relay that experience post-graduation in the crises? And um, to be honest, I guess that's where my story starts in terms of being an entrepreneur. Sometimes people say, well, where where does the where did the legal begin and kind of not necessarily end, but where did the entrepreneurship, how did it meet legal? Uh, my entrepreneur story starts with me graduating from law school and having some opportunities to work 
at small firms. And then obviously I taught at the University District of Columbia, which again, I don't knock those experiences, but they were kind of short-lived, they weren't full-time. And so I was literally forced to work for myself. So even if I didn't want to work for myself, let's just say I had no aspirations of ever working for myself. It was either work for myself or be unemployed. Absolutely. So is that how you got into producing and entertainment, um, Lawwood? So that's a nice segue question. So essentially what happened was, like I was saying, either I had to work for myself or not work at all. Kind of around this time, I was kind of transitioning from working from the small firm. And I think I was getting ready to start teaching, which again was not full time, just an adjunct professor. It wasn't full time. And so I have to give my mom credit, which, you know, I try not to give her too credit, too much credit, because, you know, it's her, it's her idea. But somehow she came across. Uh, the local CBS channel. So CBS is different in every state, but everybody knows what CBS is. In DC, it's like WSA9, but I think, I think in LA it may be not. I forget. But anyway, CBS was looking for local kind of reporter, journalists. It was an unpaid gig, but pretty much you can build your portfolio on their website. And because Obama was president, and I wasn't working full time and DC was exploding with all these great events. You know, literally anyone from Hollywood was in DC every week. Like that eight years he was there, it was like Hollywood was in DC. And so I decided because I had the choice of what I would cover, of course I'm gonna cover the arts and entertainment space because my press pass would allow me, you know, to get into all these events where the Obamas would be. So for you know, not eight years because um, probably towards the end of their second term, this is when I start coming to Los Angeles. But the first. So, for those who are forgetting, this is 2008 um, through, yeah, like eight, well, no, I guess nine through, when did they leave? Like 15 ish? Yeah, yeah, they left around 15. January 2016 is when, yeah. Yeah, because Trump's 16, right. So, I would say like 2009 through like 2000. 13-ish was around the time that I really uh, focused on doing this arts and entertainment coverage for one USA Night. It kind of, again, crossed paths with all the events that they were hosting. And so it was great. If I could relive any part of my life, I would relive that part of my life. So I was doing not just their events, but like DC Honors, any big event that came to DC to film, I would try to cover it. Uh, movie premiere. Congressional uh, Black Caucus. Congressional Black Caucus, which I'm, I'm sure a lot of our, our woke listeners are aware of, even before the Obamas was always a big, big ticketed event. Uh, but they always did the keynote address while they were in office. So, yeah, so it was a, it was, a, it that was my transition of um, not just becoming an entrepreneur, but kind of going back to my creative roots. Because as again, up to this point, it's like law, 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 right? You know, get into the schools, get the grades to get into law school, to get a law firm job, to become partner, to retire and die. Like that spectrum, right? And that kind of got interrupted with, okay, if you're not doing the whole traditional law firm thing, again, outside of my experiences 
with working with a small farm and then eventually doing some teaching, it was like, okay, this has nothing to do with the law. This is a whole, not only am I being an entrepreneur at some level, because I'm working for myself, I am now having to learn how to be what they call now a multimedia journalist, where you're probably familiar with this, you have to shoot your own content, you have to edit it. You have to write the questions, write the stories. You have to do the interview. Basically, you wear all the hats. And so that's essentially what I was. I was this multimedia journalist for the local nine station. I did it for, like I said, four or five years. Built up a fabulous portfolio that's still on their site that I still use in terms of my reference links when people need to see my previous work. And um, yeah, it was a great experience. And that was probably my first introduction to really a being an entrepreneur but also a creative entrepreneur because uh not that you said this at the top of my introduction but when i introduced myself i actually say i'm a creative entrepreneur that just so happens to be an attorney which my mother hates because she feels like i'm downplaying being an attorney and it's not that i'm downplaying it but i think when you start off with the word attorney there's some things that people automatically assume about you. Yeah, they you. think, okay, we're going to learn legal stuff today. All right, cool. <laughs> or you're know-it-all, or you talk too much, or you're argumentative, or you're angry all the time, or, you know, you take everybody's money. There, there's so many things that come with, if you are aware. Um, it does come with respect, don't get me wrong. People don't necessarily mess with me once they know that. However, um, I just find that, the, the older I get, which I'm trying to freeze myself, but the older I get, I, I consider it to be a part of who I am. It's not really all of it. If I really were to describe myself, I'm really a creative entrepreneur. And then you can break it down with, she's an attorney, she's a producer, she's a former author. So you then break it down from creative entrepreneur. And, and then again, that's just how I view myself. Other people, again, still may view me as an attorney person. That's fine. I spent all this six figures on education and taking all these bar exams and stuff. I, I would never downplay that I, you know, went to law school. Well, speaking of law, though, mm -hmm. uh, if there is at uh, one point it kind of overlapped with if you're in the entertainment industry, you do have law experience. And then at one point, uh, tell me the thought process when it came to either creating Carter Law Group or diving into the entertainment law world. Okay. Well, after I dabbled, so after I dabbled in USA Not, right, which was just being an entrepreneur and going into a whole nother field, being a creative and doing work like a journalistic background to add to my resume of skill sets. Um, at that same time, I also, because the Obamas were there, um, created a documentary which I still got to figure out how to revamp and get on Netflix or something because I've done my research. My documentary is the only documentary that really talks about their time in the office and kind of this Hollywood effect that it had on not just DC, but the United States, how all of a sudden people wanted to be more engaged and wanted to know more about politics and the law because you had a celebrity as, a president because even if he didn't win he was a celebrity already like going into the white house so even if he did not win the election he would have been a celebrity so at the same time of covering it i use a lot of that footage for my documentary and 
at the time, I had to, again, wear multiple hats. I had to be the lawyer in the film. I had to be the producer, you know. So, so that was kind of the first time where I had to do location releases, talent releases. I had to do the documents to get access to the footage. And so that was kind of like the first introduction of really me tying in my entertainment, I'm sorry, my law background into what I was doing creative, creatively. And then about 2015 going into maybe 2016, I had the opportunity to do a very special project with Universal Music Group uh, with a huge settlement they had made with um, the courts and some clients. So I worked with them for a couple of months. And so again, it was entertainment and it was cool because I'm looking at record contracts, some of like your favorite singers and stuff. It was cool, but it was like, okay, this is creative and music, but it's law. Like I'm looking at someone's deal that they signed maybe 15 years ago or 10 years ago or 30 years ago. Um, and so anyway, I say that all to say that it was, it was just kind of like a nice transition. It was like through my own projects, I had to be my own lawyer. And then out the gate, my first gig coming to LA is Universal Music Group. Who would think that that would be like, because it's very hard, first of all, to work in-house. So to land this contract with them, it was like huge for me. Like free Starbucks, free like vending machine. Had You know, my brother would go crazy because you could get Coke, Sprite, whatever, you know, Dr. Pepper, you know, whatever. People wore jeans. I think I was dressed up. They're like, yeah, you bet you're clearly an East Coast attorney because we don't, we don't get dressed I'm up. I'm so glad they, you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. They said, you know, if you get dressed up, we thought something was wrong. You know, when we get dressed up, we're going to court. So don't come in here dressed up because we'll think something is wrong. So I had to tone down my outfits and make it very super casual. And so it was just this whole brand new world for me. And it was so one that's of the a best cultural I- shock, too, also. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, also, I was pretty much one of the only Black people in the whole department, right? Uh, versus my experience on the East Coast working DreamWorks Classic Media and their uh, in-house legal department as an intern. It was an array of folks because, again, you're in New York and it's, you know, again, the, the racial disparity you know, in major in those major cities in the East Coast, it's not like how it is in California. So, yeah, just like culturally, from a work life balance perspective, just it yes, it it wasn't like a bad shock. It was definitely an adjustment, and but something I enjoy. I will say to this day, that was one of my best working um, experiences. And so, you know, I learned a lot from my own practice. My, where, where the entertainment law world kind of met, like I said, was it, was it still started off with me and my projects in DC, but then it continued on, you know, when I had this opportunity in Universal Music Group. And then it continued on when I decided I was going to open up my own practice and have the ability, you know, not to have millions of clients. Because I always tell people uh, it should be quality over quantity. Because you can get like a huge couple of retainer clients that you're doing great work for, just focus on those two and three versus trying to have like a hundred clients to make the same amount of money. I'm big on like work smarter and not harder. And so I just wanted to have the practice. So if I wanted 
to have my own clients that would not stop. And so that's kind of where opening up the practice came from. Um, I've had, while the practice has been open, again, for the last, whatever, four or five years, you know, I've had, I've, I haven't actively, you know, been in it, right? Because I've been working on other things. I've been doing other things. Sometimes I'm a client, sometimes I don't. But I will say in the last couple of years, it's become more active for two reasons. I've gotten some higher visible clients. I've had like reality show clients and talk show clients and stuff like that. So that's part of the reason why it's become a little busier. Um, the second reason why it's become busier, my entertainment practice, um, is because um, I do for YouTube these legal hot topic videos where essentially um, I'm Wendy Williams with substance, no shades, Wendy, uh, but she's not a lawyer. So she can only recap what she thinks the law is about a certain situation. And all her stories don't necessarily have to do with the law. So my hot topics are only um, legal, legal related, not legal related. I don't obviously talk about it. And so I figured I had my own corner in the market and it kind of presented, again, another opportunity for me to bring the legal world and the creative world together. Um, I didn't have to represent a client in order to like look at their case and talk about the law that the court would address in that particular trending news story or that celebrity news story. So it became fun to me to like find these stories about, you know, Chris Brown or Cardi B or Nicki Minaj or whatever and be able to be able to intelligently um, talk about the issues, but also just have fun with the story that people wanted to hear about anyway. Um, I call it infotainment. I don't know if you've heard that word. Some other people have also used that word. I call it infotainment, where you inform people, but you entertain people. And so, yeah, for better or worse, my practice has become more active. Uh, it's keeping me busy because I do these videos for YouTube that sometimes like I get called like I've done like Big Boy Radio here in LA. Um, I've done, you know, called it, you know, TMZ. You know, I, so I've I've kind of taken what I've done for YouTube, and sometimes it's duplicated in other places. I'm interviewed or I'm asked to speak on certain issues, and so because of that, and like I said, some higher visible clients, I would say probably the last two years has been the most active my firm has been. Let's keep the conversation going. Follow us on social media at Living Legacy Podcast. Leave a comment, introduce yourself, and tell us how the podcast has inspired you. We look forward to hearing from you. So that is an amazing story. And I feel like, do you relate to the quote of most of the time an overnight success technically means almost 10 years later? Oh, yeah. It's 10 years. I mean, I can't talk about a project I'm working on, but it's technically we going on year five. And what pisses me off, we're going on year five, not because of anything that I'm doing. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, but because, you know, some developmental issues and you got to get things cleared and approved. And now the COVID, the COVID is actually affecting one of my producing projects that I'm working on. It is all. So, yeah, let's talk about that, because you, you are on, the, on that percentage of, of entertainers who are going through that. So what is your take on that? It's beyond frustrating, because, but if you look at Bravo, you see that Married to Medicine LA 
they put it on back to back instead of doing marriage to medicine la and real housewives of potomac they are stretching their program because they don't know when they're going to film any of these franchises ever again at this point so they have to give us what's already been recorded slowly but surely just so that they can fill their time slots um and as you can see some of the the, the confessionals are from home like living hill hop they have the worst i don't know what type of homes these people live in but whatever that's the for another day i digress but the point is it has been affected so i just feel like yeah it it if you are a producer, you know, taking my lawyer hat off, if you are a producer, writer, on-air talent, in any capacity, whether it be acting or reality, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you, unless your stuff has kind of already been recorded for the year and you're really not supposed to be recording again until the end of the year or next year, then yeah, this is, this is, this is highly problematic. And the only good news in all this is maybe that most states like California are rolling out a four-phase plan. And phases, I believe, one and two, at least for California, where a lot of these things obviously are filmed. Because I would say California and Georgia are the places where... Yeah, I was about to say Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Reality shows are filmed the, the most. So if you're in Georgia or California, like you said, there's some other places like New York, the D.C. area. The majority of shows are filmed in the state of Georgia and the state of California. So those states, Georgia has already started to open up even before California. And I know California has a four-phase plan. I don't think we'll get to four, the fourth phase until next year, which is like live concerts and stuff like that. But supposedly phases one, two, and three will be between now and the end of the year, which should include being, if you, if you have a production house, you can go and film people as long as there's like a safe distance and you're washing your hands, as long as you're following those rules. That should be able to resume in, in, in one of those phases. One. So the good news is the fact that they've already, unless something happens where they just have to take this plan back, I'm thinking between the now and the end of the year, production would be a part of the businesses that can resume in these phases. And uh, in the meantime, I think people just have to sit tight. And create. And create. The Probably the most recent thing I'm known for is LegallyFab.com. LegallyFab.com is a online community and resource platform for professional women. I'm not leaving out the guys. If you want to go on the website and read the advice and download the digital products and download the courses and be participate, I don't, I don't leave. I don't say a guy can't look at it, can't buy it. But the niche, the niche is uh, catered, I would say. It's catered to... Uh, the professional woman. And who is the professional woman? Uh, it's really just two categories. You're either an, an entrepreneur, right? You work for yourself, or you are in some sort of profession. You're a career woman. You're a teacher, doctor, lawyer, nurse, graphic designer, everything else, right? So really, you're, you're a career woman or you're an entrepreneurial woman. And um, I wanted, it started off as a space of just kind of like a blog and some cute physical products that I like that I would throw up on the blog, like, hey, if you like this, this is in our shop. And it was a very simple kind of like inspiring place for women. Um, I got a lot of traction very early because I would interview, uh, kind of like how you're interviewing me. I highlighted other women, right? So I went after like uh, the current Miss USA. This was maybe a few months before she came Miss USA. 
is one of the first people I interviewed. Um, Belisha, who is uh, a Google tech, but now she's the first chief diversity officer for the Grammys. Uh, she's been over on Forbes and all that recently. Um, Diddy's right-hand woman, Erica Pittman. Um, so I went after all these big women that could really add value to uh, this advice log that I had. And so it had a lot of traction early, but again, life happens um, between trying to kind of go back into my law practice. I was also unfortunately um, in, a, in an accident. I was actually walking, a car hit me. Yeah, my life is a reality show. Um, there were so many things that had happened to me. So it was like, the blog was still there and some of the products in the shop were still there, but I just wasn't actively pushing it. And then I would say, not so much during the coronavirus, but I would say within the last two years. So leading up to the coronavirus, I start, you know how you're on Instagram and you're scrolling and everybody's always like, oh, you know, how to pivot and, you know, uh, what's the next thing you should invest in? What type of business, what are the best types of businesses to have? So what I would do is, these people offer this information for free. These webinars are free, okay? Then they want you to sign up for something at the end. But you get some free information from these little webinars. And I always highly suggest if somebody's doing a free webinar, just, just listen to the free webinar, even if you're not going to sign up. So I listened to several of them. I want to say, like, in the last two years, I've probably listened to, like, six to eight, which told me that if they're all saying the same thing, they're on to something, which is, and again, this is before the coronavirus. It's related, it's, it's relevant to the coronavirus and what I'm about to say. Let's just say there was no coronavirus. These people have been saying this for the last two years. That, and when I say these people, these are uh, entrepreneurs in the uh, tech, tech online space. Or influencers, media. influencers. Right, like influencers. Um, some of them have business background. They all were saying that you need to come up with something that is essentially digital, digital, whether it be an app or download or a course, figure out something digital that you could create one time and live off for the rest of your life, which is basically residual income. Because here's the thing, you may get sick. Like I was, who knew, who knew I would be walking across the street and a car would hit me? I mean, that, you hear about children getting hit sometimes, but not adults. So usually adults can stop in time. They'll see you because you're taller. You wouldn't predict that I or anyone you know would literally get hit by a car and survive, right? And so it's one of those things where that was a very dark time for me. And I had to figure out, okay, I'm this practicing attorney. At the time, I actually had an active case. I actually high profile profile case that I was still working on. But other than that, I wasn't really working on anything else. And I'm in the hospital. You know, I'm in the hospital for almost six weeks, trying to recover, learn to walk again, all of that. And so literally from my hospital room, I decided I'm going to revamp LeeLeeFab.com. It's not going to just be, you can, you know, I'll leave the blog and I'll leave the shop. I'll leave it. It'll still be there. But I need to transform this in a space where I can create things for people to download and could really benefit from. And I'm like, well, what could they download? I had to, so what sort of resources would someone want to download from me? 
Well, people are always asking me, oh, could you just do this contract real quick? You know, everything is real quick. Nothing is real quick. But it's always, can you can you write this up really quick? And I said, why don't I do templates? People are always asking me about location releases, independent contractor agreements, operating agreements. I have all these templates. I can create templates for people. That was the first thing. I was like, forms. But then I was like, I'm not charging that much. You know, it's like 20 or 30 bucks for a form. I'm not going to get rich. I mean, unless I have just like hundreds of thousands of people downloading. And so then I was like, okay, what else can I come up with? And that's when I came up with the idea of these pre-recorded courses, uh, because all I would have to do is record it one time and people could download it for the rest of my life and I would get paid off of it. And um, so, yeah, so the courses, you know, and it's really cool because the forms, again, came from a place of people just giving this away for free, you know, friends, people, hey, can you give me this really quick? Course the same thing. I'm like, okay. I'm going to do courses. Now, what are these courses going to be about? I said, you know what? I'm going to pull from everything that people ask me to do for free all the time. How to do a press release. How to launch a blog. How to launch, you know, a podcast. I'm going to do a drop shipping one. Like, how to come up with your own kind of apparel line, drop shipping, like how that works. Because, again, uh, both of, uh, I have two e-commerce platforms, in addition, uh, in, including LegallyFab.com. And both of those sites use drop shipping. What are the other, what are the other two? So, so no, so there are two total. So there's LeelyFab.com and then my professional organization uh, with Lawyer Base uh, and embracing lawyers and law students, particularly um, of the minority groups. Uh, so we, enc we encourage diversity amongst the legal profession because it's majority uh, white and male. Um, we have, again, this online resource of kind of like mentoring. We do events, but we also had a shop. And because I had already done a shop, I actually had had two other, I had two other shops, not just with LegallyFab.com, but my, my best friend from law school, he had just done a, a, a quick shop a long time ago. So it was like, I already have all these experiences, the stuff that people are paying people to do or are giving away for free, I can literally just put it in a course and somebody can push play whenever they feel like it, record, rewind it as many times as they want and get this knowledge from me. And so I had to sit and say, okay, what types of courses are you going to create? And so long story short, I went from downloads to courses. So legal is copyright, you know, trademark, LLC, courses on what are those things and how to file these things without a lawyer. You know, I am a lawyer that's walking you through it, but you don't have to sit up and hire me or another lawyer to file it. You can watch this video and literally do it yourself. I call them the DIY, the do-it-yourself courses for legal. And then I had it the DIY creative courses, which were the blog course, how to write a press release. Yeah, so I moved from blogging it being a store, being hit by a car, deciding to revamp it, first coming up with downloads, which was cool. But it was like, oh, I'm just getting downloads here and there. What else can I do? Transforming it to add, like you said, courses. And then the most recent thing I've added that I'm the most excited about because I get to work with people because pre-recorded courses, I'm not working with you directly, right? You buy it, you know, you see me on your screen, but you don't really talk to me. There's no engagement. Um, are my kind of live coaching programs. Um, so I've gone from a blog and a shop to downloads and courses to coaching. So, you know, it's amazing how something that started off as like two things is now like five things. And a lot of it has come out of, once again, uh, struggle or 
unforeseen things, you know, the downloads of the pre-recorded courses came out of me being hit by a car, right? And guess what the coaching came out of? The coronavirus. That's what this came from. Um, not saying I wouldn't maybe eventually have done it. I probably would have eventually done it. But I did it recently in the last three months because it just made sense to create these exclusive groups of people that I would work kind of one-on-one -on -one with in these groups and help them with again, the things that people want, like their trademark stuff, launching their LC, creating even their own courses, right? All the stuff that people are looking to do, I'm like, all right, well, if I did this one-on-one -on -one with you, it's going to be $5,000 or more which pretty sure the coronavirus or the COVID, people don't have that type of money laying around. But if you're, in the, if you're in a group setting, you're not paying that type of money, right? You're not paying nowhere near that type of money, but you're getting the same result. And so obviously as an attorney and a producer, I don't have 12 months out of a year, right? To dedicate to these coaching programs uh, about, you know, people launching and protecting their businesses and even creating their own courses. Um, I don't have 12 months out of the year to dedicate to it, but I have maybe two or three times out of the year, I can take a month aside and just work with 10 people or work with 20 people. And so that's kind of my big thing now. I mean, obviously the blog is still there, the downloads, the pre-record, all that stuff is still there. But my marketing right now is really focused on, um, these coaching programs where I can, again, work with people kind of individually in groups, launch and protect their businesses, um, and create their own products in the online space like courses. Uh, and so I'm really excited about these two coaching programs. And if, you know, obviously anyone's interested, you know, legallyfab.com obviously has the information about these coaching programs. If you follow uh, the I am Leaf at Instagram page or my personal Instagram page, Jay Carter ESQ. I put a call out actually right there on my page. Hey, if you want me to talk to you about your business, I literally will call you. So you schedule me, I call you, and on the call, I actually talk to you about these programs. So if you're not ready to just jump on my website, you want to just talk to me, I give people an opportunity to talk to me, which is a very rare opportunity because I don't even have time to talk to myself. Right. I, I literally have no time. So, you know, to, to be able to even talk to me, even if you don't end up signing up for the program right away, just even being able to talk to me and kind of have that introduction and knowing what I do offer. So if this is something maybe you want to do later, you'll have the information. I think it's a great thing. Well, first of all, you literally have overcame adversity with resilience. <laughs> you literally have overcame adversity with resilience, which is literally the theme behind this podcast, the theme behind my own book which is the new brand. So this has been great. I'm thank, I thank you for sharing your story so confidently as well. So you did mention, you mentioned the website, you mentioned your Instagram. Where else can women, I would say, the, the, let's see, let's say if we just, no matter who it is, women, minority women, where can they find you to work with you, have a conversation with you, watch the YouTube series? The plus place to start, if you just want to look at what the, the website and Legally Fab in general has to offer, I would just go to Legally, L-E-G-A-L-L-Y-F-A-B.com, because it's all there, uh, which again is the blog, the store, and the digital stuff, which is the 
pre-recorded courses and the downloads and obviously the information about the coaching program. So if you just want to on your own peruse, just go right to the site. Um, if you don't feel like going to the website and you just want a quick snapshot of what we got going on, uh, go to the Instagram page, um, which is the same handle on Facebook and Twitter, but I feel like Instagram has the most information. Uh, we are I A M I am legally L E G A L L Y Fab F A B on Instagram. And then if you want to go a step further than just generally checking it out for yourself, and you, again, you want to sign up for one of these calls, you want to learn more about these uh, coaching programs, which again, will not be offered. I emphasize this because I am so busy. Like even today, I had to apologize. I was, you know, late signing on even to this interview because um, I am in the middle of something what I thought that was going to be a simple mediation with a particular TV show client. And it has literally turned into something else. Like literally, overnight. It's literally turned into something else. So I have a client panicking. I have difficult opposing counsel, and this is why I got stand litigation. I say that all to say, I don't know what my life is going to be the next day. Sometimes I wake up and it's a whole nother situation. We never do. <laughs> Especially right now. Neither one of us know. Right. It's so many things going on. And so while I am offering these programs and the ability to talk to me directly to learn about the program, I suggest people, if they are ready to take at least that step, to just go to my personal Instagram, which is J-C-A-R-T-E-R, J Carter, like my name, and then E-S-Q, which is short for Esquire. So J Carter E-S-Q. And right there in the link in bio, it, it, it says, I think, passion to profits call. It says, you know, call me or something. Click that button, it takes you right to my scheduler. You pick the time that you're free, that's based on my availability calendar, and you don't have to call me, I call you. I call you and I talk to you about these coaching programs, which again, I'm not going to offer throughout like, the whole year. Got it. So limited time offer, limited time offer. That's the best place. And then if people are just interested just in my law practice, which again, is completely separate from LilyFab.com and they really are seeking um, help with their intellectual property issues, uh, you know, forming their LCs, you know, things that they just want, you know, they're not, they don't really have time to go through a coaching program. They just need it done. You can always just hire my firm, which is a separate entity, uh, which is uh, the Carter Law Group. And online, you can't miss us because we're the same everywhere. Ask Carter Law. Because people are always asking me questions. So it's Ask Carter Law. So it's askcarterlaw.com and it's askcarterlaw on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So if you ever are just, you know, look, I don't have time. I need to just hire a firm to handle this. Then feel free to find us online under that handle as well. Thank you. Okay. So this has been great. I just have one last fun question for you. Sure. Which HU do you prefer? I would say prefer, but I do have a bias uh, for Howard University, right? Because at the end of the day, I'm a, I'm from DC. I went across, I went to Banneker Academic High School, which is across from Howard. My sister is alumni of Howard, and then I got into Howard undergrad and Howard Law School. So it would be really hard for me to not side with Howard University, but I do love all the HBCUs. I love all the HUs, but uh, yeah, I think as they say, you know that. Yeah. 
yep, Howard yep. University <laughs> is, is the real deal. It's the real deal. I feel like I don't know yet, but I have a feeling we did cross paths when I was living in DC in 12, 13, 14, but you never know. Yeah, small world. Maybe. Small yeah, world. I believe that. Well, yeah. it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Jay, for educating us and inspiring us. Yes, thank you for having me. And I hope that your listeners, if anything, uh, pull from this that, yes, I mean, it really doesn't matter what the adversity is. It could be from a car accident to a worldwide pandemic. It really, you know, it really doesn't matter what that adversity is. Try not to ever let that be your excuse why you're not doing what you've been put on this earth to do. Bomb drop. Favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. Yes. Thank you so much for interviewing me and I hope that we'll continue to connect in the future. Thank you for listening to the Living Legacy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, follow, and download so you don't miss the next episode. If you want to learn more, you can visit ZakiraNayar.com. That's Z-A-A-K-I-R-A-H-N-A-Y-Y-A-R.com. Do you have any suggestions on a topic you want to be talked about? Send me an email or leave them in a review. If you love this episode, be sure to share it with your friends.